This is a Podcast 225 production. The issues. What's going on now? What's happening in the state? The people. Carl Dabity. We've got Michael Shingleton. Taylor Moore. Jay Darden. Congressman Garrett Gray. Richard Condon. He is Ryan Clark. Sharon Weston Broom. The podcast. And we're going to talk about that. This is the Clay Young Show. Up, up, and away we go. It's episode 214 of the Clay Young Show here on podcast 225.com and on the Apple Podcast app. It's political season in this part of the world. In Louisiana, we've got statewide elections going on, including governor. And in various parts of the state, some parish, our counties are called parish, some parish elections are going on, as well as regional elections in the, in the state legislature. And as we have done for the past couple of cycles of elections, we typically have multiple episodes of the show as opposed to the once a week version because there are lots of conversations to be had and I don't want to try to squeeze all of them into one episode, having two and three candidates in one episode. And then there are going to be cases like today when we're going to be talking to someone who is running for office. And this is a little bit different. So I, our guest on episode 214 is going to be Dr. Bo Clark, who is coroner for East Baton Rouge Parish. Now, let me begin by telling you that I am not unbiased in the way of, of who I'm going to be supporting in this, and it has nothing to do with anything other than the fact that I've known Bo and the job that he does, and and he is a friend, and supporting his candidacy because I think he's done a good job. Now, listen, in 2019, that's a whole different place to be because we rip each other to shreds based upon who we support or or who we stand with. I, and over 20 years of doing media, have never practiced that and typically ignore people who try to shoot that my way. I think your vote is your choice, and I don't believe because I support someone it means that anyone else has to, but conversely, I don't believe because someone does or doesn't support someone that that should have any impact on me. Think for yourself. And Bo Clark is not political in the way that I think a lot of offices are often almost required to be. I mean, as coroner, he's dealing with people who are in an unstable state or families that have suffered a loss. And that's a job that he's done. But as we are going to talk in just a moment, I don't want to make it seem like I am unbiased in this regard. Obviously, because I'm doing a podcast that isn't regulated by the FCC, I don't have to do equal time for the candidates. Dr. Rainey Whitfield is the direct challenger for Bo in this race. And I've known him a long time as well. But I, I believe Bo has done a good job. And I'm just putting it out there that I'm supporting him just so you don't view anything that I that will happen in the conversation. And quite frankly, the conversation that we're going to have in studio in just a moment is about the job that he does and what 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 is entailed and all of that. 
but I don't want you to think that I'm coming into this thing not sure about where I stand or where I'm going to be. <clears throat> that ship sailed a long time ago, long before qualifying, quite frankly. And I wanted you to know that. So if you choose to listen to the interview to hear us out and, and hear him talk about his job as coroner and, and how he views the community and all parts of the community that he serves, that I would hope that you would stay. And if you say, well, you know what, Clay, uh, he's someone that you support. So I don't want to listen because it's just going to seem like pandering. I can guarantee you that it won't, but that completely is up to you. I just wanted to tell you the truth on the front end. Now, that's not going to be every candidate we get in here to talk, but I, I thought I owed you that. But again, I've, I've given those those reasons why, and he'll be in studio with us, and we're going to talk about why he decided to become coroner. His, his, he's got a very interesting background and, and a, a resume that's very interesting as someone who does that job. In addition to being a medical doctor, there's some other things there as well. But for me and people that I know who have known him for a very long time, he really cares about the job that he does and is almost surgical, <laughs> pun not necessarily intended, and how he goes about serving as coroner. And so we will talk about that in just a moment with Dr. Bo Clark. And also just wanted to give you the heads up that there's some other things that are going to be on the show that we're going to be talking about. There's some amendments on the ballot for October 12th in Louisiana. Obviously, the governor's race is at the top of the menu for people voting. And I've got a lot of thoughts about that. And we'll see about getting Dr. Sam and John Cuvion on at one time to talk about where they think the governor's race is going to go, maybe handicap that a little bit. In addition to some of the legislative races, there's some races going on, and I've had people ask about coming on. And Bessie, the Board of Elementary and Secondary Education, some of the candidates running for those seats will be on the show. I think there's at least three of them that we've spoken with who are going to come on. So still a lot of business to be done. Let the games begin. Podcasts have become a great way to get radio on demand. If you've wanted your own podcast, the time to call us is now. This year, Podcast 225 will be launching new shows and yours can be one of them. You won't have to build your own website and you'll be able to use professional broadcast equipment that will make your show sound amazing. If you'd like to know more, call 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Be a part of the on-demand audio movement today. This is Jeff LaDuff, retired chief of police for the city of Baton Rouge. I'm Kelly LaDuff, co-owner of Open Eyes Safety Training and Consulting. Open Eyes is focused on providing quality safety solutions that give businesses and employees the skill set needed to recognize and react to dangerous situations. On a daily basis, we hear yet another story of workplace violence or active shooter. Open Eyes offers a unique approach to keeping you and your businesses safe through site analysis, technology recommendations, policy review, and employee training. To set up a consultation for your business, call us today at 225-313-9713 or visit us at our website at openeyesafetytraining.com. We say keep open eyes because 10% of our population cause 90% of our problems. See them before they see you. This is The Clay Young Show. Back with Dr. Bo Clark, coroner for East Baton Rouge Parish. He is running for re-election, as I said in the open, and has a pretty dynamic 
resume, Bo. I mean, I don't think people know everything. Medical doctor, of course. Yes. But there are also some other things about you in the way of law enforcement. Yeah. So uh, about uh, I finished. I was doing my residency between 2000 2003, and during that time frame, I got recruited uh, to work in as a uh, law enforcement officer with the East Baton Rouge Sheriff's Office, mm-hmm. and specifically with the SWAT team. Uh, and so I offered or volunteered my services to uh, first and foremost help uh, take care of any injured person on a yeah. SWAT operation. Yeah. And then, of course, my services to the law enforcement personnel that were putting their life on the line right. to take care of them. And then, of course, if we had any uh, person that was put into custody, certainly w- would not limit my uh, uh, involvement in taking care of really everybody. And so uh, I traded my services uh, my medical services for uh, opportunity to train with the team and get the same type of training they did. So I kind of became one of them, <laughs> and and they got free medical services. So way back before medical school, when you're looking ahead as to where this is all going to go, you, you're looking down the, on the road, you see yourself in a drop-top Beamer and, you know, working as an MD in this part with... Did you ever think you'd end up here right now doing this? Yeah, so I'm not. I was never really a drop top beamer guy. I was probably <laughs> no, no, more. I'm sorry, you're more. I'm, excuse me, because I, I, I know you. You were more of a, of a high pickup truck with yeah, the, yeah. with the mutters on Jeep, it. Jeep, yeah, you know, right. You know, with the top off. Yeah. Right. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, no, I, I didn't really see that. I always had an interest in giving back to the community. Right. Uh, as a matter of fact, my residency director was in. He was a former SWAT guy, doctor SWAT guy mm-hmm. uh, that had joined the military. Uh, and like anybody else in this world or in the United States, uh, we all remember where we were uh, on 9-11. Yep. And uh, right after that, I made some pretty uh, big, had some pretty big thoughts about maybe I had a calling to be in the military mm-hmm. and apply my medical training uh, to the military. Uh, and at the time, my wife and I just had a baby. Yeah. Uh, and so there was a little bit of a pullback to say, yeah, I don't know if we're quite ready for you to go overseas for a long period of time. Right. So I started looking for something that would be considered similar to that uh, pursuit, and I did so by, uh, by joining law enforcement. How, uh, how does that experience relate to what you were doing today? So that's what's really interesting. Uh, I never really thought about being the corner uh, back then at all. Uh, you knew about what the corner did. As a matter of fact, the corner at that time uh, was most notably uh, Louis Cataldi. Yeah. Uh, and he was known during the time of Derek Todd Lee and Sean mm-hmm. Gillis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, when I was approached, and I was approached by the members of law enforcement yeah. uh, who wanted to have a corner uh, that was uh, a good physician but also understood uh, how law enforcement worked, they said, you know, you're, you're, you're pretty – qualified for this job because you're not only a doctor but you're a cop yeah uh and so having uh thought about that they're exactly right that's right. exactly what a corner is you're a doctor and a cop it, so just let's elaborate on that on on the two aspects the confluence of being a law enforcement officer and a medical doctor. right so as the medical doctor certainly uh i am the the what they sometimes refer to as the chief medical officer of the parish mm-hmm. uh but es- essentially have all the requisite knowledge in the use of medicine as it relates to what we call forensics. And yeah. Forensics is a melding of, of science and the law. Uh, and then on the other side is the law. Yeah. Uh, and the job of the coroner is based solely in statute as how it deals with the law. Mm-hmm. Uh, all three of our jurisdictions, as a matter of fact, are, are, are based that way. Uh, you know, you've had success here in that, in that office in that lots of people don't know your name. 
and because of what you do every day dealing with well before i get to that let's let me back up a second let's talk about the function of the coroner's office because most people think you know when when someone is killed or dies or something like that that's when the coroner's office is involved but that's only a fraction of what you do for the parish let's talk about that absolutely so uh, I give a lecture, and I have for the last eight years, called Corner 101. Mm-hmm. And I talk to all kinds of groups about what the corner does. Uh, I start off by giving the history of the office, which is, 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 is unique and intriguing. But when I get to the part where I say, well, can somebody in the audience tell me what the corner does? And, you know, hands go up and they say, well, you, you pick up dead bodies. I mean, and it's as simple as that. That's the statement that's commonly given. Uh, and, of course, it's so much more than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are most known, obviously, for the investigation of death. Yeah. Um, and it's not just about picking up bodies. Really what we're doing is determining why someone died yeah. and if the why is related to a criminal offense. Yeah. Uh, and that's where the law enforcement piece comes in. Uh, in this parish, which is the largest parish in East Baton Rouge, uh, largest parish in the state of Louisiana, yeah. we work about 4,000 deaths a year. So compare and contrast that to the second jurisdiction, which not all people know about, which has to do with the involuntary committal of the mentally ill. So if someone has a mental health crisis, I have the ability to have that person picked up against their will and evaluated. Mm-hmm. And we call that an order of protective custody. We do about 1,000 of those a year. When they get to the facility where they're evaluated, if they have to be uh, detained or confined involuntarily, mm-hmm. the coroner comes back in and does a, a, a piece of legal paperwork called the coroner's emergency certificate. Okay. And we do about 8,000 of those a year. So you combine the 1,000 and the 8,000, you get 9,000. So I do 9,000 mental health investigations a year, which is almost double the number of death investigations I do in the most in the busiest parish in, in, in the state. What's your philosophy about the function of that office as it relates to the things, the serious nature of what of what you're doing? It's a very difficult thing to call the coroner's office to have you come out and pick someone up who who's having a, a mental episode, and and then obviously on the other side of that, if you're at a crime scene where there is a shooting victim. I mean, this is all serious stuff. You know, what's your philosophy about how your team is to approach what you're doing every day? So everything we deal with is incredibly serious. You're talking about a time in a person or person's lives uh, that uh, the worst things in life that you can think of have happened. Mm -hmm. Someone's died. Mm -hmm. Someone's having a mental health crisis. And it's not just the individual, right? It's the the extension of their family and friends and neighbors and et cetera. Yeah. Uh, So we have a duty not only to the deceased, but we have a duty to everybody associated with that. Uh, and certainly it's difficult to be very public about that sure. because we respect people's uh, privacy. Sure. Uh, we want to ensure that the, de- the, the deceased has dignity. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to ensure that there's compassion for their families. Yeah. Uh, so it's not like I can run out in the media and say, oh, this is what we did last night. Right. Yeah. Uh, we kind of leave that, uh, that. And that's what probably makes corners in general very silent on a sure. lot of things, right? Sure. Uh, I'm not going to, can't sit here and tell you, well, this is how many sexual assault uh, exams we work this weekend, right? Yeah. I mean, that wouldn't be very uh, responsible to sure. those individuals. We were together, I guess, about three weeks ago at a press conference for Family Road of Greater Baton Rouge, phenomenal nonprofit organization here that yes. helps with young parents and, and specifically poor parents who don't have the information to be successful when an infant comes along, because as you know, you don't get a book with them. Right. And, right. and it's really, it's the kind of, it's the kind of on the job training <laughs> that is high intensity all the time. Cause you want to get it right. But they talked about the number of children lost to SIDS mm-hmm. 
And you and I had spoken maybe two weeks before that, and you talked about how that is actually one thing that we can impact in a way that we can make that number go away completely. Correct. Just with information. What about things like that? So what's interesting, so I, I analyze everything that comes through the office. So mm-hmm. if we're talking about the death jurisdiction, we look at the reason all people die. Mm-hmm. In our community, people die for the most part from natural causes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so uh, we haven't found a cure for heart disease and diabetes yeah. and cancer. Answer, yeah. uh, even though we're working very hard on that, and we have some clues like changing your lifestyle, not smoking cigarettes, that would help. Mm-hmm. And we certainly would tout that. And of course, uh, I would, uh, uh, you know, back those those efforts. Sure. Uh, but when it comes to types of death that you can look at, and you say, "Golly, this is completely preventable." Uh, for example, if you wear your seatbelt in a car, you know you have a higher uh, chance of uh, of surviving a car crash. Correct. Uh, if you don't drink and drive or mm-hmm. drive impaired, mm-hmm. uh, then you won't. You, the potential of getting in a wreck as a result of that goes away. Right. Um, what we started to look at was infant deaths. Uh, and about every year, we would investigate about twenty de- uh, deaths related to infants. That's mm-hmm. twelve uh, months and younger. Um, and their circumstances where they were placed in unsafe sleeping environments. Um, SIDS is really kind of a, a, a word that's gone away. Yeah. SIDS describes something that started back in the 80s when they had a bunch of infants that were dying and they couldn't explain it. Uh, some brilliant minds in St. Louis decided to go back and retrospectively investigate a lot of those cases, and they determined that the vast majority of them, like 99%, were the result of unsafe sleeping. Yeah. Uh, so now we don't call it SIDS anymore. We call it unsafe sleeping. Right. Uh, and essentially what happens in these phenomena is that either a child is placed in an unsafe sleeping environment, meaning that there's blankets and pillows and all kinds of stuff that you and I as an adult mm-hmm. feel are comfortable, right. but the kid doesn't need it, right. and then they get wrapped up and suffocate as a result. Or uh, they're placed in they're not placed in a crib like they're supposed to be. They're placed in an adult-sized bed with an adult, and there's a rollover phenomena. The child gets trapped underneath adult in the middle of the night uh, and suffocates as a result of it. And so we've taken that and said, this is an impact point. If we educate the community, then we can save these kids' lives and get that number from 20 per year down to zero. It's interesting that, like, you you talked about it, and Dina and her team talked about it at their presser a couple of weeks ago. Why do you want to do this job? So I think the opportunity to make an impact uh, in an individual's life really is kind of why I went into medicine. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was thinking about it before today's press conference. Uh, I decided to go into medicine when I was 10 years old, and I was watching a show on TV called Doogie Howser, MD, <laughs> and Doogie was this child prodigy that was brilliant, and uh, always had oh, the answer. seen the look on Leslie's face yeah. when you said that. Always no. had the answer, and he would type on his computer, and right. blog. It would, back then, I guess that was his version of blogging, right. uh, but nonetheless... Uh, the the opportunity to make that kind of change in someone's life. Sure. And it's probably what drew me to law enforcement, too, because um, you've got these guys, uh, and it's so interesting, two groups of people in our world that we don't uh, really pay enough to do their job hmm. is cops and teachers. No question. Um, we were just talking about that. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, you got, you got a you got a guy that's willing to put, a guy or gal that's a police officer, willing to put their life on the line for you right mm-hmm. now, and they don't even know you. They I mean, good Lord, how do you, where do you find people like that? That's, they're just heroes before the, before you even meet them. And they do it um, for, and they do it. Not get, a lot of money. You got teachers that teach, uh, and put everything they have into, uh, into a kid's education yeah. and they don't get paid to do that. So I find that really interesting that, uh, that we we're kind of backwards, yeah. you know, of course we pay, we pay an NFL player millions of dollars to entertain us on a Sunday. Don't uh, get me started on that, man. I, that, <laughs> yesterday was not a good day for that kind of foolishness. As we record this, it's Monday, and then you know I'm, I'm watching some 
some guy just blow away $30 million in two weeks because he can't control himself. And I'm thinking there are people out there working hard just to keep their lights on, sure. doing the best they can. And you, anyway. So I don't I, want... <laughs> to finish my, finish my thought, though, as a, as a physician, I've yeah. been given the opportunity uh, to take care of people. Yeah. And then so when I see opportunities to take care of people like cops and teachers uh, and people at their, their, the toughest parts of their lives, yeah. man, it's just a no-brainer. Unfortunately, because of the nature of what's been going on, in, in the community around here, we've had a, a high percentage of young black men shooting and killing young black men, which puts your office in the inner city, unfortunately, on a on a fairly regular basis. Uh, a, I'd like you to talk about that and, and your your relationship with with that community as it relates to trying to bring, as you say, some dignity to the deceased and, and comforting their families. But also for the outside of uh, those of us on the outside you're maybe the perfect person to ask about the mental science or mental whatever is happening behind this this shooting going on and what can be done. Well, so to us or to me, it doesn't really matter uh, where you live in this parish. It doesn't matter uh, what your race is. It doesn't matter what your political affiliation, where do you go to church, if you got money, don't got money. That None of those things really matter. Right. What matters to us is when we show up is we've got a job to do to investigate a death. Mm -hmm. Um, we've got a family that's probably been pretty traumatized by the situation. Uh, and we're going to manage that piece of it. Now the coroner is not in charge of going after the bad guys or who did it. Yeah. Uh, but we play a pretty vital role. Um, I'm called, I'm called to testify in court about these cases all the time. And I personally do that. I get on the stand and I describe, uh, the circumstances surrounding the death so that if they've caught a bad guy, then mm. that person, you know, can have justice served, uh, and the family can have justice served. There's a bit of cl- there's closure that's surrounding that. Yeah. Um. So, but I, I get concerned because when I look at a lot of these cases, what I find is the vast majority of them are ra- are uh, related to narcotics trafficking. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a lot about selling and buying drugs. Yeah. Uh, illicit drugs. Uh, which brings up a whole nother issue when you talk about what we're going through with the opioid epidemic. I was going to ask you about yeah. that before we and, finished. Anyway. And so you see, you see this combination effect, um, and then you know you take that, and there's a little bit uh, of component that deals with the destruction of the nuclear family. Yeah. You know, a lot of these homes are broken, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and not really good role models for people. So yeah. uh, every it kind of just one thing is a domino effect, one thing after the next. Um, and it's it's very challenging to uh, create a complete uh, a, a complete system to say how hey, we could fix this. Yeah. You got to kind of have to chip away at the different pieces. You talked, you referenced the the opioid situation in this country that is that is really scary when you think about it. I mean, I've read stories about people being someplace and touching something that had some of this chemical on it and ODing yeah. without ever having used it. Why is that so out of hand so, now? It's it's interesting. I go back to just my law enforcement days prior to being coroner. We did a lot of drug raids, tons. And, of course, in those circumstances, a lot of cocaine, a lot of pills, a mm-hmm. lot of methamphetamine, et cetera. Never, ever once saw heroin, okay? So in 10 years of being a cop, we never saw any heroin on the street. And then all of a sudden in 2012, that's my first year in office, mm-hmm. five people die from heroin overdoses. The following year, 35 people die. So a seven-fold increase. Mm-hmm. And it was at that point that I really basically sounded the alarm. I said, something's wrong here when you have a whole decade go by and there's no heroin in the community. Now people are dying as a result of it. Uh, and so we started doing an analysis of it and essentially found out that I mean, here it is. Heroin's in our state. 
uh, caused by the opioid epidemic. Mm-hmm. Every case that we're able to look at of overdose and piece the historical parts back together, we it's determined that their 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 addiction began with a prescription drug, mm-hmm. uh, and then we recognize, you know what, we're in the midst of the opioid epidemic, just like the rest of the country is. Yeah. Uh, and it came with force after that. Um, and so certainly what is concerning is uh, this epidemic will probably, will, will, it will kill more Americans than, and Louisianians and East Baton Rougeans than any other epidemic in the history of the country because it affects everyone, right? Yeah. It goes back to what we said about the, the dead. Uh, it will affect you whether you're rich or poor. Mm-hmm. It will affect you no matter what race you are, yeah. what religion you are, where right. you live in town. Right. Everybody gets affected by it. Most people, when you talk to them in the community, either will tell you they have an addiction problem themselves mm-hmm. or they know somebody. And when they know somebody, it's not like the person down the street. Right. It's a family member. It's you know an immediate family member or you know a distant family member. So the fact that you see that i think we're set up to have a lot of people die as a result of it and we're kind of in, we're we're in the end game now where is if we don't put some things in place this will just get worse and worse and worse how do you keep what you're doing again and talking about it how do you keep it from becoming political so I, that that's what i think it's an easy question actually okay um because uh you know, I don't. I don't walk into a death scene or talk to a mental health patient or see somebody that's been sexually assaulted and ask them if they're a Republican or a Democrat. You know, it doesn't. That, that never enters our mind. They're a human uh, and they're in trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, they wouldn't have called the corner. I wouldn't be involved. Yeah. Uh, so I think what we do is we find a way to help them. Uh, and I always talk about there's three solutions to the opioid epidemic. Number one. Uh, has to do with the illicit trade of drugs, specifically mm-hmm. opioid drugs. Yeah. There's a ton of this stuff like fentanyl, heroin, coming right through me- in, in, into the America through Mexico. Mm-hmm. You've got to shut that down. If you don't shut that down, then the addict will continue to have a source for their, for their addiction. Yeah. On the back end, responsible prescribing. As a physician, as a, any physician in the community, we have to be careful because these drugs can get you addicted. So mm-hmm. before you go writing a big prescription for opioids, maybe you ought to think about some other things. Now, I'm not saying you should deny people opioids if they truly need them. Right. But I'm saying just be responsible how you do that. And well, then, of course, lastly is the biggest part, which is the population in the middle that is currently addicted. And the problem with that group of people is it's not cookie cutter how you fix them, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like high blood pressure. Here's your high blood pressure medicine. You're better. Right. No, it, it's going to take uh, working with them to get them physically unaddicted, mm-hmm. but also neurochemically, cognitively, what's going right. on in the brain. Well, and you talked about it. I mean, there are people who get addicted to other substances that are, are the outcome of ha- having, say, knee surgery or some other kind of in- injury, and they're taking painkillers to mitigate the, the, the discomfort and, and the impact it has on their life, and it turns into an addiction. And this is someone, when they started down this road, never intended to do or take anything. Right. What about that? Well, it just spins out of control, right? So you start saying, as a physician, responsible prescribing becomes very important. Mm-hmm. Maybe we don't start with an opioid, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe the circumstances are that you should be on something else, right? Yeah. It should be, well, why don't we try some stretching, acupuncture, physical mm-hmm. therapy? Maybe we try, you know, Motrin and Tylenol. And that works. Those are painkillers right. as well. Uh, and then we step it up from there. Yeah. Now, clearly, if someone's had a major operation, sure. then opioids might be the answer. Yeah. But they might be the answer only for a few days, right. only for a few doses, right. right? Not a bucket of opioids to go home with. That's unreasonable. And ends up in a... Me- you know, I heard something the other day 
uh, on on a talk show, and he was talking about this new thing with open houses for people who are selling a home, mm-hmm. and they're still in the home, they're selling it. And the guy was saying, be careful about that because there are people who will go to an open house just to be able to raid a medicine cabinet. Yep, absolutely. Never thought about yeah, that. Yeah, the realtors are real, real, <laughs> real uh, concerned about that yeah. because, I mean, could you imagine? And, and look, that look to me, that defines how incredible this addiction is, right? right. I mean, if, you're, if your plot is to ride around town, find a realtor who is having an open house right. so that you might escape to the bathroom right. and steal a prescription of opioids. That's in, I mean... That tells you how bad it is. You want it bad, yes. What is something about you that you think people, obviously what the coroner does, you've talked about that, but somebody about Bo Clark, if, if they're listening that they don't know, that you think they ought to know about you, what is it? So, you know, somebody, people oftentimes say, well, how do you do this? Because everything you see is bad. Uh, nobody yeah. comes nobody comes in the front door of the coroner's office with good news. Right. Right? They've been sexually assaulted. Right. They've had a mental health crisis or family member mm-hmm. has or someone's died. Uh, and so how do you manage that? And I think what's really interesting is and my wife has said this before she she always tells you just God's got a plan. Those words. And you have to put that in perspective, right? Cuz God's got a plan for all of us. Yep. We don't know what it is. Yep. And it may just happen, and you may not understand it, right? right? Because we've had to talk to plenty of families before that have said, you know, said, I just don't understand why, you know, my family member died, you mm-hmm. know? And, you're, and you look at them and you say, I, I don't know why that was God's plan. I, it doesn't make any sense. You know, you'd think, well, why would a little baby die, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that to, you can't wrap your mind around that. Right. But you've got to have faith that there's a reason, even if you can't see the reason. So I think... Um, something to to understand is that you, that that this job for me personally mm-hmm. illustrates that daily. Well, I think you've done a good job, um, and the, the, I know that you care about all kinds of people, regardless of where they come from, and that's something about you I've already I've always known, and and that's why I support you. But if people say, well, you know, I don't know, I want to learn more about him on my own, where can they go and get information? Well, c- certainly, uh, two places. Obviously, we're in the midst of an election season, so you can go. Really? To, yes, yes, oh, yes, yeah. Oh, I don't, oh, I don't okay. know if you covered right, that. Yeah. Uh, but you certainly can go I to gotta a, pay better attention. Elect Bo Clark, uh, <laughs> or, uh, which is our uh, our website and, and Facebook. Uh, but if you want a, if you want to look at it objectively, and that's fine too. Yeah. Uh, EBRCorner.com is the office website. Uh, there's a tab about me. There's mm-hmm. a tab about investigators. There's a tab about what we do. Yeah. Uh, and lastly, of course, I always offer to people to come talk to their groups. I'll talk to two people or. Or two hundred people doesn't matter to me. I I enjoy sharing true. stories uh, and and helping people learn something new. I do think it's a gift. I, and I've you know I used to tell Jeff Leduff, a mutual friend of ours, about that. I think it's a gift to be uh, optimistic and and positive and carry that positive energy when you're around so much sorrow. Yeah, and and you see the pain families go through, and you're still able to be compassionate without being dour when you walk into a room, because I think that's important. And there's so many people struggling with so many things. You need someone who's going to do their job, but also has faith and some optimism around them. Right. It's a balance. There's no doubt. You have to have the ability to understand the circumstances because I'm called there for a reason. Sure. I mean, when, I, when I'm yeah. involved, there's, yeah. there's something has happened. Yeah. Uh, but to remember there, there's people involved, mm-hmm. right? Uh, both living and dead. 
Dr. Bo Clark, coroner for East Baton Rouge Parish, who tells me that there is an election uh, happening this year. I think it's somewhere around October 12th, but I don't know. You know. Uh, but thanks for, thanks for coming in, Bo. Thank you for having me. Promote your business or organization on Podcast225.com. Podcast225.com is quickly becoming a weekly tradition for Louisiana listeners. Every month, thousands hear the weekly Clay Young Show. Every week, Clay sits with some of the state's most fascinating and entertaining people. Posting your company's logo on the podcast225.com website or having a professionally produced commercial air on The Clay Young Show is a great way to access a loyal and informed audience. Get more information by calling 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Executone of Louisiana has been helping businesses in Bad Rouge save money on their telecommunications for over 40 years. Executone will help businesses upgrade their phones and intercom systems, save money, and never have to worry about local customer support. Doctors' offices, hospitals, schools, businesses, it doesn't matter. All kind have depended on the good people at Executone to upgrade technology and save money. I have a question for you. Do you like saving money? Sure, of course you do. Here's another one. Do you want to keep the most up-to-date phone and intercom technology while saving money? That's what it's all about. That's a no-brainer. Don't get sucked in by out-of-town companies who are not here if you need technical support. Executone has been here, and they believe in the value of customer service, baby. Don't take my word for it. Give them a call, 225-295-3500. That's 295-3500. Oh, look them up, executonela.com. Executone of Louisiana. They still here, and they're going to continue to give you great service. This is the Clay Young Show. Hopefully you enjoyed that. Dr. Bo Clark, corner for East Baton Rouge Parish. Lots of other interviews are on the way. I neglected to to mention this in the open. One of the conversations that we're going to have have actually nothing to do with the elections happening this fall. Dr. Laura Cassidy, one of the founders of the Louisiana Key Academy, will be Coming on to the show, we'll get her here in studio and she'll talk about what Louisiana Key is and who it serves. Just a spoiler, it's a charter school that deals with children with dyslexia and it's been around for a little while and that show is coming up and the show was, the the school, excuse me, was a part of a feature piece done by CBS News some time ago talking about dyslexia and so she's going to be one of the guests in a very busy couple of weeks here on the clay young show hopefully uh, you enjoyed the conversation with bo clark and gained some perspective on why he wants to be coroner and why he wants to do this job and why he cares about this job and uh, that was the intent to let you hear from him and then make up your own mind as i did mine and with that, thank you for being here. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at ClayYoungBR, on Instagram, Clay underscore YoungBR, on Facebook, just Clay Young, and of course, subscribe to the show on the Apple Podcast app. If you do, give us a rating, four stars, <coughs> and give us a, a review positive review. Sorry, it's a little dusty in here. And uh, we appreciate you participating and helping us get the word out there. Have a great one, and we'll catch you really soon on episode 215 of The Clay Young Show. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.